With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Heavy metal, the way it was meant to be.
guys, that was Liege Lord with the Rage of Angels that comes off their debut record, Freedom's Rise. And Andy Michard was a great singer. I mean, Joe Coma came in later on and uh, took over the vocals for the band, but that first record was absolutely amazing. They had a lot of comparisons to Iron Maiden, but uh, I didn't really hear it or see it, you know, but uh, they were just such a solid act. But we got a great show today, more great music coming up. I can't use that word enough. We're going to start things off tonight with Greg Livesay from the band Livesay. And later on, our good friend Bob Mitchell from Sleepy Hollow is going to be calling in. It was a big weekend for the band. Uh, the record release party was this weekend. I had a big concert last night at the Blue Room in Secaucus, New Jersey. The debut video for the album was released. So a lot of stuff going on tonight. We'll get to Bob a little later on. But we're going to keep the metal flowing from now till then. How does that sound, T? Sounds, sounds great, man. Sounds like a plan, right? Sounds like a, a definite plan. I like that. You know, uh, Greg, our first guest up tonight from the band Live Say, uh, who's named himself. Thank God the band wasn't named Goldberg or something, you know. Then again, there is a band named Goldberg, so I shouldn't even say that. There's there is, actually really? another band called Goldberg. Yeah, and I, I think we put the demo up uh, a couple of years ago in the demo <laughs> segment. So, yeah, so go figure. But he was in a, another local New York band called St. Lucinda back in the 80s. I don't know if you remember those yeah, guys. Yeah, I remember those guys. Yeah. yeah, we put that demo up years ago, too, and... Uh, I, I, I love that tape, so we got a lot to talk about tonight. Even though we don't have a lot of time, there's a lot to talk about. Phew, let me see. So what's going on, buddy? Anything uh, happened in the world of metal for you this week? Uh, nothing that really pops at me, pops out at me, I mean. I hear that. I, I saw on uh, BWBK before that KISS uh, releasing trading cards again. You know, I didn't think they, oh, that really? was still a, a big thing or a popular thing these days, you know? Really, unless it's digital. <laughs> yeah, 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 no, they're actually regular, real trade cards, and there's supposed to be like uh, uh, 50 cards in the deck that feature just Eric Carr and like with pictures that were never seen oh, before. That's nice. Yeah, so I mean, today they're probably releasing it on their own. Where back in the day, it was everything was always on top. They were like the oh. trading cards, and uh, I still have the original set of the original Trish K, uh, K, uh, Kiss trading cards. Yeah, and they all came in different colors. It was the yellow set, I think, the blue set, and. Uh, I still have them all in a, in a folder in the house right here, so oh, very nice. maybe I'll get the new one. Who knows? Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, you never know, right? All right, well, you want to do some more music, or you want to bull, bullshit a little? It's up to you, buddy. You're the, you're the captain of the ship. Yeah, well, you know, hey, big cruise ships have two captains, and I guess that's why they crash off the oceans in Italy, but yeah, you never well, know. I'm your little buddy, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I think this ship has two skippers. There's no little buddies in this ship. <laughs> Yeah, no little buddies. I'm your, I'm your other buddy. Yeah, there's two skippers on this ship. All right, no, we'll do some music, then we'll see what's going on. We'll talk about some stuff that's been happening, I guess. Yeah, okay. How about we do some uh, Impala? We had Bill Lindsay on the show a while back. Bill's a great guy, and I still keep in touch with him on on Facebook and everything. So uh, this is off the last record, Cryptozoology, I think, if I'm pronouncing it right, where giants dwell.
gave us some raw power for you with yeah. State of Pressure, some Italian hardcore. Yeah. We used to jam in that song. Remember you were helping, uh, helping out Stillborn? We used to play that? Yeah, that was good times, man. Yeah, That's yeah. Fun. Nobody in Italy is complaining about State of Pressure these days, I can tell you that. <laughs> oh, <God>. <laughs> Not <laughs> with the price of a euro. I'm telling you. <laughs> oh, God almighty. So let me see. I know I had to get something on tonight for somebody. I don't remember. Oh, yeah. Uh, Eddie wanted to hear uh, Seventh Omen, so I got that. Maybe we'll do it in between the two interviews. Uh, and we'll have to send this whole show out to Eddie Heckathon. I think he's like our, our, our number one listener. He listens to every show. He's always supporting it, I, so I can't thank him enough. I sent him a little uh, gift package out uh, yesterday with some CDs and shit that we got in the mail from like record companies that we just don't use anymore. Yeah, so we'll give that to Eddie. So let me see what else is going on. Uh, there's a band called Mad Max. They were around probably the late 80s. I think they just got back together. And back then they had a, a record out called A Night of Passion. Now they got a record out called Another Night of Passion. It's the first record in 20-something years. So I, I just downloaded it, but I didn't get a chance to listen to it yet. I wanted to go through it because I really enjoy those guys. They're out of Germany. So uh, I don't know if you've heard the album yet or not. It just came out, I think, the other day. Probably not, right? No. Yeah, I didn't think so. What else is going on? Forget, we'll skip over that one. Man of War, El Gringo, oh the new record. God. I don't know. Man. All <laughs> El the Gringo. same crap. You heard the little bits and pieces, yeah, I that guess, right? Snippet, right? Yeah, yeah, the little, yeah, the record just, uh, listening party. It's just the more of the same crap. It's true. And it's that new. orchestrative keyboard in the background. Yeah. That electronic sounding drum, which is probably why Scott didn't want to, you know, yeah. didn't want to be with them anymore. And now it's just, I don't know. It, and you know how I feel about his guitar playing. I just don't like it. I don't like I know. the sound. I don't like his style. And I, he might be a sweet guy. Everybody, a lot of people, I got to like little, not arguments, but like little Facebook things. Oh, Carl's a nice guy and all this. I don't know the guy's a nice guy, but, you know, Van Halen. It's not personal. It's just, you know, how I feel about the sound of the guitar. It's not, it's not I, a, you know, I'm going to tell you how I feel. I, I like yeah. what the sound better, you know. Yeah. And sorry, I like the old the other song, old songs better. Even though they, some of them had, like, cheesy lyrics and everything, it just had so much power and so much feeling and so much this that you just said, screw the lyrics. I mean, listen to Judas Priest, the first three, four albums. <laughs> I know. That's such great lyrics. And then after Hellbound for Leather, everything went down the twos with the lyrics. Yeah, but the they band were corny. Still stayed great. It became, it became a little corny. I guess they wanted to, you know, appeal more to a wider American audience and Americans adults, you know. I know. They, they don't understand, you know, the $20 words that the English use, you know. <laughs> but I love listening to old, like, there's a lot of words in those old Jewish priest albums that like are like you know forty dollar words you know but like you don't see that anymore you know so like that that's what I'm trying to say I mean there could be some cheery cheesy lyrics in the old songs but they still had balls these songs just don't have no balls to them man that's what it is there's no heart and soul in this music no anymore you know it's just soul. repetitiveness and you know what yeah I like to hear like classic bands putting out music that sounds like the classic music but I I do want it to be modern I want it to sound new yeah. and relevant and right. man what just don't do that anymore you're right. And um, I don't know. I really don't care about them more because I've tried for years to get anybody on that band on the show, and they just oh, completely yeah. ignore yeah. every request. Not even like a response back saying, I'm sorry. I'm, Nothing at all. I'm even surprised that he lets, he's letting people actually post pictures of the band. Because years ago when, you know, I, you know, I've been on the Internet now, you know, from 98. Yeah. From like 98 through like maybe 2000. 2009, about a good 10 years, 
you couldn't find more but just little thumbnails of, of Manowar on the Internet. There were no pictures because he would have them taken right down. Sites were ripped right down. There were, no, there were there were a few MySpace sites, but they had like these little thumbnail pictures. You yeah. Know? And now, <laughs> you know, it's a little more wide, you know, widespread, you know. But I guess he realizes, uh, you know, if I don't embrace this social media, um, you know, it's not going to help. That's all you have today, really, to, for a band to promote themselves. I mean, mm-hmm. what else is there, Tom? There's really nothing. Yeah. yeah. Now everybody yeah. talks about Eddie Trunk, Eddie Trunk, Eddie Trunk, and I, I'll tell you this because. I deal with a lot of, you know, PR people and managers, you know, for the show to get bands on here and everything. Yeah. And it's funny because I'll get told, well, you know, they're not, they're only doing, um, I'm not going to mention the people, but they're only doing major press is what I get a lot of times. They're only right. doing major press. Right. That's what I get. Well, who's the major press for, for 80s heavy metal, for exactly. any real heavy metal? Who, who, really? I mean, New York, 10, the biggest. New York, is it 104.3? You know, you're going to hear the Clearwater Revival. You're yeah. going to hear, you know, the same Billy Joel songs. Exactly. And you got Eddie Trunk with a three-hour show. Yes, it's on the Internet, so he can be heard anywhere in the world today, too. But yeah. just that, he's getting probably more listens through the Internet of the show, yeah. the Internet feed on the show, than he is through the actual stations that carry it live. Yeah, yeah. And that's their major press. So if they only want their band on major press, you're going to get to Eddie Trunk, who really doesn't focus on anybody with those same five or six bands yeah, every yeah. single yeah, week. Yeah, part of his clique. I gotta be amazed. I heard it play Merciful Fate about a week or two ago. Yeah, I couldn't believe it. Too. But it had to so, it had to come through as a, as a request because he don't play it on his own. I don't know because I really listen to it, but I put it on for like you know when he talks, I turn it off and I try to go back when the music is on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, when I'm driving, I work at home. And yeah. uh, I heard Merciful Fate. So I don't know if it was a request. I didn't hear if it was, but to me, it's, you know, it's King Diamond is active again. Yeah. Uh, he's gonna start playing again, and yeah, I think that to... he's got. Probably stuff coming in from the record companies or the managers saying, "Let's, you know, we're gonna have him on your show or something. Let's do this." Which he shouldn't even be on his show because he doesn't even care a shit about him or his music. Never promoted him in the twenty years that he's been on the radio. Mm-hmm. But he'll get him before somebody. And you know what? Our show, we get over three hundred fifty thousand listeners on this show. Right. You tell me how many other shows have that? This is true. So I love when they tell me, you know, we can't get you this band because we're only doing major press. But meanwhile, I've had those bands on here already. Yeah. I'm just doing the polite thing and going through their people because they were offering interviews instead of, you know, going right directly to the contact that I have. Right, right, right. So they make me laugh. Well, we can't get you to Scorpions. We only do major press. But I've had them on here already. Right. You know, so the hell with that. I'm ranting and raving. Let's do some music. I hear you, bro. All El right. Gringo, El No. <laughs> El Gringo, El, El, El No. That sounds good to me. El I should. I wish I had some Manowar lined up, but I don't. So you know what? We'll do some Talus. And then we'll do something else, and uh, it should be time for Greg to call in right after that. Okay. We'll do some high speed on ice.
That was Towels for High Speed on Ice. Great band. Billy was a, a New York boy, even though from upstate in uh, Buffalo, New York. Some great stuff there. And I remember seeing them for the first time in 1983 when they opened up for Quiet Riot at Lamar's. That was a killer show. But right now, T, how about we do some St. Lucena because we're going to have uh, Greg calling in about five or six minutes. And this was his old band from the 80s. And this is off their demo tape. It's all called Call the Surgeon. Thank you. 
All right, some St. Lee Center over there. Tommy, hang on. I believe we got Greg on the line. Let me connect them and uh, see if that's him. Greg, is that you? Yes, it is. Hey, Greg, how are you? How are you doing? I'm doing great. It's a pleasure to have you on here today. Thank you. Appreciate it. Uh, anytime. We went back to your old days over there for a little bit before you came on. Yeah, I heard, but I have to correct you on something. That's not me playing the uh, guitar in that recording. That was really? the guy that was. Yeah, that's not me. So th I was in that band for sure, but uh, I was in there for about a year and a half. But uh, that's the guy that I replaced, I believe. Wow, so, so you never know that. Yeah, yeah, there were a few guys in there before me, I believe. I was the third, third guitar player before the band uh, eventually broke up. So. Okay, so the only thing we had right was that you were in the band. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's correct. You know, you, you go back 25 years ago, there was no internet and no way of looking things up. You, you don't know who was in what. Yeah, that's the truth. It's a def definitely a different age with all this uh, technology, that's for sure. It's incredible. Were you in the band in 1985? I was. I was actually um, in a cover band back when I was doing covers in 84. I was like in an Aussie tribute band. I was a big Randy Rhodes fan, and uh, I got tired of that. And these guys in St. Lee Center rehearsed upstairs for me, and I guess they had heard me playing down there a few times, and they just kind of came in the room one night and asked me if I'd be interested in auditioning for them because they had lost their guitar player. So um, I gave it a shot, and they were doing all originals at the time, which is where I wanted to go. So we ended up getting together. So I would say like late 84 through 85, and I think early 86, I, I, I left. So. Oh, okay. Because I, I remember seeing you guys at Lemoore's quite a few times, and I have a whole bunch of live bootleg tapes of St. Louis and a thumb from Lemoore yeah. from like 84, 85. So. Yeah, great club. Probably yeah, Lamore East. Yeah, Lamore's yeah. East also, yeah. There's nothing I mean, it's a different era right now for music and but the the live club scene is nothing you know, like it was back then. That's a shame today too. No, you're right. It's funny that you should say that because I remember Lamore's Brooklyn and how big it was, uh, back at that time and then uh they redid the place and they made it a lot smaller and I had some people that were probably I would say a little younger than me that said, yeah, I've, I've been to Lemoore's. It's a really big place. And I hadn't been there in years. And I went out there. I, I think I went to see Jakey Lee or something, or it might've been Ingve. I don't know, but uh, I walked in there and I could not believe what they did with the room, how small it was. And I said, dude, this isn't a 10th of the size of what this place used to be. It was, I mean, I remember being crushed in there when Queensryche was there and loudness yeah. and yeah, that was, that was some place. It was. And Lamar's East of Queens is pretty big, you know, uh, compared to the one in Brooklyn. That was a pretty nice size uh, venue out there. So bad. Yeah, I think it was a roller rink at one time before they turned it into the uh, the Rock Club. But that was that was also a huge room. Yeah, we we yeah. actually did a pretty big show there one night. Which there was about I think about three thousand people in that place. It was it was big. Yeah, so. those were good times. I mean, I mean, you're out there today, still playing. You've never stopped playing. You've you, you've been continuing this for the last you know twenty five thirty years and. Yeah, the club scene today, and I mean any venue today, it seems difficult to get people to come out, and the prices of tickets are so cheap today. I mean, you could get into a, a show with four bands like ten dollars. Yes, it's, it's, I don't know what's going on. It's just insane. Yeah, you bring up a very good topic on that, and uh, what always cracks me up, and I can say this because I was playing back when there was a circuit. Obviously, the clubs that you've mentioned, Fountain Casino, and yeah. all these different places. Um, what these 
a lot of people don't understand today, and even the guys who are running the clubs that are booking the bands don't understand, is that back then, people just went to these clubs. It didn't matter who was playing. I remember myself, I went to Lemoore's because I wanted to be at Lemoore's. I didn't care who was up on the stage. I mean, obviously, I caught a lot of great bands, and that was an added plus, but it was the whole scene that was going on. You yeah. just went there because there were people there. And people wanted to be. It wasn't a question of, am I going to Lemoore's? It was a question of, which club do I pick to go? Because they were all great. Yeah. Now, I mean, this pre-buying of shows and how many people can you bring because nobody comes here. I mean, it's just it's pathetic. And I have to tell you, I noticed a big change. I think, obviously, when they changed the drinking age, that, that had a major effect on everybody. You know, when uh, it went from, uh, I believe, 18 to 21, 21 that yeah. really, yeah, that really damaged the clubs a lot. Because prior to that, I mean, it was it was packed every weekend, every weekend. And it didn't matter who was up there jamming. It really didn't. It's true. It's like you said, because you would go to, say, like Lemoore's. They were open Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday when, when you know, my metal was really, you know, running hot in the mid '80s, and it, you said there were three bands in the bill. You just went there to hang out, and you came across brand new. Ba- Half the bands I think we discovered or, or became fans of is because we saw them play there, where they were like local bands who we wound up following, or like major acts that we already knew about and got to see for the first time. You're right, it was like a destination. You don't have that table like BB Kings or Gramercy. You go there to see a show, you leave. There's no hanging out, you know, no. drinking with your friends, having a good time. It's that's what's missing. That's the truth, and and the other thing about it was that any national that was anybody always played Lemoore's, even if they played a bigger place, they always made a stop at Lemoore's. I remember that one particular summer. I mean, I saw everybody. I saw Malmsteen, I saw Pat Travers, I saw Accept, Loudness, Y&T, you know, Wasp, Sabotage, all these huge bands. Every weekend there was somebody huge playing there. As a matter of fact, Loudness did one of their first American shows in that place in Brooklyn. Yeah, and uh, and I saw Queensrÿche when they first came out, and I mean it was you couldn't move in that place, you know. And then um, I remember hearing stories about Iron Maiden after they had played at the Garden. They came to Lemoore's and hung out afterwards, and they got up and played with TT Quick one night when they were playing. I mean it was just the place to be, and it's yeah. really it's it's sad now. You go to these bars, and it's it's just like. It's really pathetic, and I really feel sorry for the younger guys that are trying to do something with their bands these days because it's virtually impossible. It really is for them to try and even get out, get you know, playing anywhere without getting raped. So that's so true. You, you know, you're right on that. And, and so, uh, like a lot of people, like they say, oh, the scene's coming back here in America. You know, we go to shows. We, I just maybe like they talk about the music, they know more, but they're not showing up. And that's something that just doesn't seem to happen uh, over in Europe. And everybody, nobody wants to come out and say, I'd rather play in Europe than my own country. But you want to play for people that are going to appreciate your music. If it's happening over there, I mean, everybody should be going over there and playing that all they can if they're able to, you know, get over there. Yeah, I've always found that um, the Japanese and the Europeans have more of an appreciation for metal music, and I don't know why that is. If it's because they're they don't have the uh, the scene over there that America did at one point. I don't, I don't really know. I can't tell you what it is. I think that for technical music, especially for the progressive stuff, I think that the Japanese and the Europeans always got it more than they do in the United States. And it's certainly not putting anybody down that likes progressive music here, but it just seems that anybody that's doing that type of stuff, progressive metal, you know, the Symphony X, Camelot, that type of thing, that's huge in Europe, huge. Uh, They really have an appreciation for it. And uh, over here, 
you know, I, you know, who the hell knows what they like? It's, it's, it's just a tough, tough market. It is. You can't figure it out. You know, talking no. about great music and progressive music, you've been doing this for a long time, Greg. I mean, it kills that. I only got three albums out of you in like the last twenty something years. But they're <laughs> some of the best metal records. I mean, the first record back in '96, it was a much more commercial sounding album. Like, but the last two records, you know, Darker Style and Awaken the Giant, they've just like taken on lives of their own, and especially Awake the Giant. I mean, it's just. I can't. I don't know what to say. It's just amazing. The album. You really just seem like you hit your stride with this last record. Thank you. Yeah. I. Um, it's weird. When I first did the record, uh, actually the first CD I did with this band, you know, the lineup was completely different. Different singer, different group of guys, different writing going on. And yeah, it's true. '96, we were kind of coming out of, uh, you know, a certain era, the late '80s, early '90s, and we were kind of hanging on to that more poppy type of uh, writing, and um, we did the first record, and it, it caught on, you know, I, I had a few offers overseas, Japan, things like that, you know, we got made a little noise with it, the second album uh, was a little heavier, we went a little darker, I changed singers, I got a new bass player in, and um, I wanted to get a little heavier, I wanted to also play more, uh, one of the criticisms that I got was that they were telling me I didn't play enough, on the record, I soloed, but I was kind of in and out. So this album that I just did, I tried to play a lot more. I even wrote two two instrumentals for it. So uh, it, <laughs> on one hand, people say it's great that you played a lot more, but I've also seen a couple of reviews where there were a couple of guys that really ripped me to shreds, saying that I was, you know, like an egomaniac type of thing. So it's it's both sides of the spectrum, you know. I guess it's whatever you like, but uh, I tried to play. Uh, on this record, I tried to play the best I could play. I really put a lot of time into it, and I'm proud of it. I'm proud of the guys. They they worked their tails off. This was a difficult album to do by far. It, it took a lot out of everybody, but uh, we got it done, and I'm I'm real proud of them, and I'm proud of what we accomplished. It's definitely, I think, the band's best record to date. Not saying that the other ones aren't, but I think you're really, with Awaken the Giant, I just think you went. I love that there's no, like, little quick three-minute song. These are musical songs. I mean, there's, like... The, the Agonist, almost 13 minutes. I mean, when it's good music, it doesn't matter how long the song is, in my opinion. It, it's, it, but, and you've hit it like on every song in this record. It almost sounds like a concept record, even though it's not. It's just, it's just like everything fits together so perfectly. Yeah, it yes. Uh, it is a, I would say you're right in the fact that it's a concept, but it's a multi-concept album, if you could kind of label something that way, because the, the songs deal with different, subjects obviously you have one that's about uh, Farsi religion another one's about Salem witch trials another one is about uh, uh, the attack on Pearl Harbor you know it's the Alan is a gifted gifted lyricist and the guy that's my bass player yeah and he um, he reads and he's a voracious reader and reads all different types of uh, of material you know horror and history and everything else so he has a wealth of material that he draws from and uh as far as the agonist goes, I would say out of all the songs in that record, I'm I'm proudest of that because to me that's it's a beautiful piece of music and my keyboard player did an absolutely brilliant job on his parts on that. I mean Tony really brought that song to life and Dean wrote the lyrics for it and I mean just amazing words, really amazing words. So yeah, they they really are. And I heard it took a couple of years to get. Like I know you're saying, but you just said before that it was you know trying to get the album out. But I heard it took a few years. And but was Dean a part of the band, or did you just bring him in for this album? 
Because now you have Jeff Rose singing with you. Yeah. Um, well, what happened was, I'll try and make it quick. We had a singer that was with us from New Jersey, and um, he was uh, very confident of his abilities. And um, we went into the studio up in Millbrook, New York, to record. And within 15 minutes, we kind of all knew that we were in some serious trouble with this guy because he just was not of the caliber of what we needed. He didn't. He just didn't have it. And he freaked out in the studio and. We tried several different ways and several different sessions to get something out of him, and it just wasn't working out. So we ended up having to bag everything that we recorded with him. I think we lost about three three grand in uh, studio time money, wow. our money. You know, that's one thing I have to say. And every album that you have seen of ours, we financed ourselves everything the record that's why it takes me so long because we pay for everything ourselves we don't have any backing there's no record company throwing us any recording money and we go into a real studio and record with a real engineer you know i don't do pro tools everything that you hear on that album are real performances there's no you know overdubbing or anything like that um so i kind of do it the old-fashioned way but uh Getting back to Dean, he offered to help me out once we released the other guy, and uh, he came into the band. He saved me. Uh, from. I was offered a show to open for Alcatraz with Graham Bonnet, and I had no singer, and Dean said that he could do it. So he kind of started with us that, bailing us out of a gig, and then he offered to record the album with us and came up there and really banged it out in like a couple of weeks. Then uh, he did some shows with us for a while, but Dean is a guitar player primarily, and he wanted to play guitar more than be a front man. He's more comfortable in his skin yeah. behind the guitar than being out in front. So, you know, he kind of went back to what he was doing, and we got we got a new guy now who's great, you know, so. I, I'm uh, looking Jeff. forward to hearing, hearing more with Jeff. Uh, you guys, yeah. I heard you guys are working on some new material, so it might not be that long before we get a new record, huh? No, uh, I will venture to say that a new album is probably going to come a lot faster than you could believe for a specific reason that I won't say right now. But yeah, it's going to be a lot quicker. That album would have been done two years, uh, two and a half years ago. We had so many problems with the singer and lost time and everything else. You know, it, it, it ain't easy, man. You know, people yeah. think that the business is the toughest part of being in a band. It's not. The toughest part of being in a band is the band, is keeping that band together. you got five guys with five different lives and five different sets of problems, and that has always been my challenge, is to keep that cohesive group. It's not the business. The business is tough. We all know that. That's like yeah. if you jump in a pool, you know you, gotta have, you know you have to know how to swim. So that's a given. But keeping that's the true. band together is tough. Yeah. Is it harder, you find, these days to find musicians that – you know, we'll be cohesive with you and the music and the direction you want to take and that they can dedicate the time to play because, you know, there's a lot of downtime, but then there's times when the band's going to be busy. Is it difficult finding people well, especially <laughs> want to play the same music you do? I have a couple. <laughs> I play with a couple of guys that, for lack of a better word, I call them whores because <laughs> they're playing with me and they're playing with this guy and that band. You know, years ago, it was there was more of a loyalty where everybody just kind of was in one band and you were all doing one thing and everybody was unified and focused. These days, you know, you'll pick up a singer who's playing with you and then he's singing with a cover band and and Jeff kind of does that and that's cool. Keeps his chops up. You know, I have nothing. I have no problem with it, but. Finding people that are just loyal to what you're doing and being focused is extremely difficult. Plus, 
you know, I, I I formed this band just going out to the local clubs. Uh, now, where where could I go to find somebody? You know, there's yeah. no clubs to go to, to to say, hey, you want to play bass for me or drums? You know, it's all it's all word of mouth now. It's it's yeah. it's more difficult to find people, I think. Yeah, it's harder. And, and you and Alan have been together for a while. It's funny because Alan also plays in Sleepy Hollow, and we have Bob Mitchell on right after you. So that that's kind of uh, ironic today. Yeah, well, he's a whore too. So <laughs> <laughs> you get guys like that. You know, over the years, the band's music has changed and evolved from the first record onto this newest one. It, was it something that was done out of necessity, or it was just you know where the music took you over the years? Well, uh, yeah, I would say that uh, Alan and uh, Tony and Tim were more in tune with the progressive metal than than I was. I'm, I'm a very like classically influenced player you know i listen to a lot of different things uh contemporary jazz classical and i listen to a lot of the guitar players that i've been listening to for years and i hadn't really given that much time to the progressive music uh when symphony x came along uh these guys were really hot about symphony x and they were telling me all about them and i and i listened to them and it was really amazing what they were doing you know the dream theater but i think a little bit further than them and a little heavier too at times but um they started pushing me to say, look, we've got to start getting our writing in this direction because this is what's happening now. This is around 2008, 2009. So the material that's on Awaken the Giant kind of has a progressive uh, edge to it. I wouldn't say it's totally progressive because that's not really who I am. I'm more of like the melodic, neoclassical type of type of player, you know? Yeah. Um, but I have a deep appreciation for the progressive stuff. So, yes, our music definitely took uh, a change. I don't think I'd get up in there a set now and do some uh, do songs from my first record because they're so drastically different from what we're doing now. You know, it would, it would be a little weird, I think. <laughs> yeah, definitely, without a doubt. But with the new music you're working on now, is it going to kind of continue in the vein of Awaken the Giant, or have you, you know, throw a little something different into the mix? Uh, I'm trying to tailor the songs more for Jeff's voice. Uh, Dean had a very James Labrie type of range, uh, very high. Um, you know, that type of uh, timber to his vocals. Uh, Jeff is more of a power singer, I would say, um, like a Dio type of thing. He's very mid-rangey, which is great. Um, probably requires music that could be a little bit heavier heavier behind him, so that's kind of like where I'm going with it. Because um, now a lot of these progressive bands are, are tailoring back their music to not be so progressive because they're they're focused into a very small audience with that, and I think they want to broaden their spectrum. I, I We happen to know Mike LaPone from Symphony X, and even he told us that they had toned down their stuff a little bit for this recent Econoclast uh, or whatever yeah. it is. Yeah. yeah, they had toned it down to try and make it a little more mainstream that their stuff had been before. So, you know, everybody's got to make money, so you want to appeal to as wide an audience as you can have. So that's a smart move probably. Yeah, so, exactly. Well, you, yeah. Do you think that the labels hurt bands more because, you know, it's not where you can say, oh, you know, I'm in a rock band, I'm in a, in a metal band, I'm in a jazz band. We've broken it down to so many sub-genres that, you know, after a while you kind of, I guess, trap yourself into feeling like you have to produce something in what you're labeled instead of just being able to write what you want or experiment. Do you think that's like a – you think that really affects the band or, or the music scene in general? Yeah, uh, well, yeah. I mean, I've had friends who have – who have been signed with labels and they have a producer come in and they've written songs and the guy will come in and just hack their stuff to death and they'll say shorten the solo don't put that there don't solo here i don't like that you know they start 
telling you literally how to construct your songs. And for me, I think that would be kind of difficult to deal with because the one plus about this band is that I've been able to do whatever I want. We all have. You know, we go into the studio, we write what we want, we play what we want, and nobody's telling us what to do. So while it does cost us money to do it, in the long run, the freedom of being able to do whatever the heck I want is nice. Nobody's standing over me telling me don't solo there or don't, you know, shorten this. Like the agonist, 13 minutes. Yeah. Somebody might have said, hey, listen, this buddy, this song is way too long. I've got to chop some of this out or we're not putting it on the record, you know? Yeah. That's kind of, uh, that's tough to deal with. So I, I think that it's somehow the labels think they know better than the artist. And maybe sometimes they do, but I'm sure for anybody who's dealing with that, it's got to be very frustrating. There might be some great music that all of us have never heard because of that. You know? Oh, that's so true. I had uh, Vic Hicks. He's a singer for Shock Paris, a band out of Ohio, on a few weeks ago. He was saying, like, when they were signed to a major label, how they wanted to just start changing everything around on him, change the way this sounds, edit this, cut this out. And he was like, why did you sign us, you know, based on the music that we play, and now that we're signed, you want to change who we are. And I, when he said that, I was like, you're 100% right. They're signing you based on the music that they've heard from, you know, maybe your demo tapes or your live shows, and then they want to make you into something different. And it, it hurts the band and the fans more than anybody else because it's not who they want. Yeah, it's a recipe for disaster for the musicians because I'll tell you, there's nothing worse than having a frustrated band member because then they, they get – they get down and then they say, well, why am I doing this? And, you know, that's when you hear that famous term, creative differences. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> People yeah. start to leave. You know, that's that's what happens. I've had creative differences. That's the uh, that's the emergency handle that everybody pulls when they want out, you know, and that's usually yeah. what it is. They're not able to play what they want to play or they're not doing what they want to do, so they quit. So. Yeah, it's, it, it's just a, it's a horrible thing. And, you know, Greg, you've been in the business for a long time. I mean, you've seen it where the bands, you know, the main goal was to get signed to a major label. The record company was like the big thing that happened. And then the whole thing just kind of reversed itself over the last 20 years where almost every band is going the independent route, putting it out themselves these days. Uh, being somebody in the business, did you kind of like see the collapse of the whole record industry coming with the downloading and the computers? Was it something that you kind of saw down the pipeline or did it take you as, you know, by surprise like everybody else? People laugh at me when I say this, but I saw the death knell for the music industry when, and you're going to laugh, when MTV came on. When yeah. MTV started, I said, this is the end of the music business as we know it. This is going to kill the club scene. This is going to kill bands. And it's just going to be the snowball effect. Uh, once that started, they started dictating who was popular, who wasn't. They started making people want to stay home instead of go to clubs because why do I have to go to a club when I can watch the Headbangers Ball at midnight, you know? Yeah. Uh, that was the start of it. And then when they threw metal out and started bringing in that whole 90s scene, that, that, was, that was brutal, absolutely brutal to the metal scene. I mean, it just killed everything. That was the yeah. first thing, yeah. And the Internet, sure. I mean, I think the record companies in the beginning were thrilled that, you know, everybody's going to be able to download music, but they stepped on their own foot. I mean, it's killed them. And and the one guy who took so much heat for it, Lars Lars from <laughs> yeah. uh, Metallica, who was yeah. fighting this, saying, look, this is, my, this is my stuff, and people are ripping me off. You know, they're stealing our stuff. Well, guess what? All the artists were saying, oh, you know, you shouldn't be like that. You're being kind of a hard ass, but... In reality, he was right because all their catalogs now are worth beans compared to what they were because anybody can go online and just rip it off. So, 
yeah, I think it's I think that uh it's definitely hurt the music business. It's great for the consumer, but it's not good for the record companies and it's not good for the bands that make a living doing this. Exactly. You know? Uh, that's so true and you know you hear a lot about how the younger kids today you know they're, they're coming around to like you know the metal from the 70s and the 80s and it's like big to them now but they also feel like a self, uh, like a sense of entitlement where they believe, they really believe that they were entitled to get these albums for free and when they and when they hear somebody like Lars fighting it they get like bent out of shape like who is he to take? but they don't realize that you know we had to go to the record store back in the day and buy an album, and you know we saved up our allowances when we were little kids to to put a few dollars away on our paper just to get that one record, and that one record might have to last us a month or two before we get money for another record, and we look forward to it. But today they think, hey, you know, we we're entitled to, it. we deserve it, and that's a horrible attitude that they have when yeah. it comes to supporting the bands that they supposedly say they love. Yeah, that, that's so true, and I can tell you from personal experience that these CDs, at least the ones that I have done, have cost thousands of dollars to do. My first CD with this band was $10,000 to do, wow. and that's from Soup to Nuts. The second one was probably about six or seven. This last one that we just did, I would say probably about maybe eight or nine. You know, and for a band that's not, you know, that doesn't have any backing, financial backing, that's all coming out of our pocket, you know, plus the yeah. time and everything else. I mean, it is expensive. I mean, you can put out a cheap piece of garbage if you want to, but um, I we were never like that. We always said if we're going to do this, we're going to do it right from the recording to the packaging, soup to nuts, because it's got my name on it, you know, sure. and I want it to be good. So. You know, it's just that's just a pride thing for me. You know, I want it to be the best that I can afford to do. But yeah, it's thousands of dollars. So you're right. When somebody comes up and says, "Hey, dude, can you toss me a CD?" and I'm like, "If you can't swing ten dollars, man, I'm sorry, you're doing something wrong." <laughs> you're <laughs> you know? not, you're right, and and and, it, and they're actually cheaper today to buy them than they were when they first came out in the '80s. Hey, yeah. Yeah, you get the sure. up for ten bucks unless you can get a CD today, brand new, and you have you know you have the pictures, you have sometimes the lyrics in there. You get a whole package like with the old albums, and you, you don't get that with the downloads. You don't get that with the MP3s. You miss that whole experience of owning it, you know, having it in your hand, and that's something that they just don't get. And I hope they come around to it, but by the time they do, they'll probably implant the music directly into our brains, and they'll cut out even the MP3s. <laughs> next. So who the hell knows what's coming down well, the pike? I've read something very disturbing that evidently the uh, CDs are going to be a thing of the past. That yeah, they're, they're, yeah, they're not going to be doing that, that everything is going to be going straight to the Internet. And if you want to buy a band's music, they're just going to upload it and you just take it right off of them. I mean, look at iTunes now. So, yeah. it's uh, yeah, so there's going to be no no uh, uh, physical thing to hand somebody. You know, what are you going to say? Go to my site and download it? I, you know, it's just... Yeah. It's, it's not it band friendly. It's the music business has turned into consumer friendly, but it's killing the artists, and they don't get that. And I don't think I'm not sure that they even care. You know? No, they never did. <laughs> they never. No. They never did. Why now? So. No, that's the truth. What the hell are you gonna do? Hey, Greg. Uh, before I let you go, because I got a few minutes left, once to tell you we got coming up. I know you got some big shows coming up. So if you want to give a quick plug to them, and we'll get some music on by you guys. Uh, okay, thank you. Um, yeah, we have April 7th at Ollie's Point in Long Island. We've never played there before. I understand it's a really nice uh, venue, so I'm looking forward to doing that. That's going to be uh, a midnight slot for us, um, and that's a Saturday night. So if anybody feels like uh, driving out to Long Island, please do so. And the other gig that we have is May 2nd with, uh, I believe you say their name, Sabaton. Is that correct? Sabaton, yep. Yeah, Sabaton, yeah, European power metal group. 
Uh, that's a Wednesday night. Uh, might be a little difficult, but I understand that uh, they're expecting a decent crowd for them, so that should be interesting. Yeah, Sabaton's so, got a pretty good following here, so hopefully uh, it'll be a nice turnout and uh, some more people come across you guys and experience what you know everybody else should be experiencing. That's Awaken the Giant, one of the best records I think of the year before last, Greg. Thank you so much for saying that. I appreciate it very much. Anytime, buddy. I appreciate you taking the time to talk to me today. And when you have the new record out, please come back on and we'll promote it for you. I sure will. Thank you. All right, Greg. Thank you very much. Okay. All right. I want to thank Greg Livesafe for calling in today. They're a killer band out of New York. And uh, everybody should be buying these records, like he said. It's the only way to support the music, support the scene, and to keep them putting more music out. Because if they don't make money, they can't keep doing it. So take 10 bucks out of your pocket, skip a beer this week at the bar, and go buy an album. Off the latest record which came out, I believe it's the end of 2010, is The Burner Times.
All right, there was live stay with the Burning Times off Awaken the Giant. If you have a chance, pick up that record. I don't think anybody even hears because I was off. All right, there you go. That was live stay with the Burning Times off Awaken the Giant. Pick up the record. Great band. Greg was a really good guy to talk to. And we got Bob calling in about a half hour or so. But while we wait for Bob, how about we, we, we welcome the ruler of the Metal Republic, Mr. Ken Pierce from PiercingMetal.com. Kenny, how are you, buddy? Hey, how are you guys? And, uh, Happy Sunday to you both. What's up? What's going on? Uh, I know I sound pretty tired today, and I wish I could say that it was from rocking and rolling all night, but I tell you, I'm getting beat down by a bunch of tax receipts. Uh, you know, uh, we don't have the opulent headquarters like you do over at the uh, at the uh, Metal Mayhem <laughs> show, but uh, the, this hovel that we call Piercing Metal Command Center, uh, we still have to pay taxes for it. Uh, so. It's a shame. It's a shame. It's an absolute shame. I know. So, uh, so yeah, that was a, a great interview with Gre- uh, with uh, Greg there. Nice, Thank you. Uh, nice, uh, nice, nice um, views on a bunch of things. Uh, some of some of it I agree with. Some of it I said eh, maybe not so much. But you know, it's 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 always great to hear somebody's view of uh, what's going on with the scene, especially uh, a guy like that who's you know really running around in the uh, in the underground circuit. It's just, Definitely, he, he is right. It's terrible out there. So um so hey here's what we got going on this week. Let me uh let me give you the whole skinny. Tonight after the program, you want to head down to the final appearance of the Allman Brothers who were who, as I said they were doing like a 42 uh, night stint at the the BB <laughs> at Beacon <laughs> Theater. <laughs> you know, they really played about 2 weeks, but when you look, like the house band. What? The house band. The like yeah, the house band. Yeah, it's, it's. I had to switch the phone. Yeah, it's it's great when you see them. You know, when you 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 figure the Beacon Theater must drool every time that <laughs> the band says, "Hey, we feel like playing." It's like, <laughs> yeah. you know, like lots of money coming in. Great. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so that's going to be tonight, and um, I didn't get to see any of those shows, which is unfortunate. But uh, they, I, I've seen them many years ago, and they really are excellent live and it's always a different show so that's why people go two and three and four times uh, a piece even at the ticket prices that they command tomorrow i see is the release date for in vivo which is iron maiden's new double live cd and companion dvd that will take you folks back to the far distant past of Iron Maiden's most recent tour and where the guys did their new Frontier uh, album, or Final Frontier album. So uh, I don't know if you saw that tour. I missed that one myself. But uh, that comes out tomorrow. The Frankenstein Brothers hit B.B. King Blues Club. Now let me tell you what the Frankenstein Brothers are. They are Buckethead, the, the amazing guitarist Buckethead, and a guy who is called That One Guy. So he's a multi-instrumentalist of some kind. And uh, together he and Buckethead are the Frankenstein brothers. They will be ripping it out at B.B. King's tomorrow. 7 p.m. for those of you who are God forbid fans, you want to get over to Vintage Vinyl in Fords, New Jersey, where the band will be signing copies of their new album, Equilibrium. I do not think the band is performing, but uh, you never can tell with these vintage vinyl events. Sometimes they surprise you. Uh, I don't know if you guys were at that Feinstein 
uh, was it Feinstein or was it the Rods? The Rods, right? The Rods, the Rods. played there. The Rods played there. So, um, see, I told you the, the taxes—they just got me knocked they're out. They're killing you. They're killing, they're killing me they're over killing. here. They're just—they're just ruining my stride. That's okay. Uh, to, on Tuesday, at the same vintage vinyl place you got Overkill is going to be signing copies of their Electric Age album, which also comes out that very same day. So you want to go down and support those Jersey boys as they bring us into the Electric Age. Uh, they will not be performing at Vintage Vinyl, but wouldn't that be cool, right? See Overkill in a, in a store. Yeah. Wednesday, I don't have anything on my agenda to speak of, but Thursday over at the Gramercy Theater is a band called Chelsea Grin, and they have a shit ton of opening acts to support them for this one. They have Attila for the Fallen Dreams, Chunk, no, Captain Chunk, Vanna, the Crimson Armada. That's a lot of bands. Sure is. Yeah, and uh, this is one of those events that will start at about six o'clock. So uh, you know, it's gonna—it's I guess it's one of those all ages groups, and it's uh, the bands that all of the younger generation of metalheads are flocking to, and that's why it's so many bands and starting early. And uh, so you know, if you don't want to miss any of those bands, you you want to get online nice and early. Friday, I don't see anything on the horizon, but Saturday is a good day because you have. The Pagan Fest is landing in the Gramercy Theater. Now, the Pagan Fest is going to bring the Viking Medal of Teresus, the mm. authentic Scottish pirate medal of Aelstorm, some Russian folk medal with Arcona, and a, <clears throat> a new band called The Huntress. I'm sorry, I lost myself. And that is all going on over at the Gramercy Theater. The band XDO was originally scheduled to play. I am told that they have pulled out of the tour for reasons unknown. Over at BB King's, a great rock and roll show is happening with the Good Rats. It's the original lineup of the Good Rats. A uh, uh-huh. lot of um, lot of great guys. Uh, a lot of great bands that from the you know late seventies and stuff were influenced by this uh, Long Island band, oh, you know, and yeah. Uh, yeah. and they are one of my are, favorite bands back in the seventies, eighties. I, I tell you, T, if you can go see them, they still sound great. Sunday I, night, I would, huh? It's on Saturday night. Saturday. I would I would be there, but I do have to be at the at the Pagan Fest, which I'm sure surprises both of you, right? <laughs> 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 what Viking metal, Ken? Nah. So. Uh, so that's going on at BB Kings, and it's a relatively early show. It'll start at about eight o'clock and probably end by about ten because BB Kings, like most venues in the city now, are doing double nights of things. So the venue will host a different crowd and a different audience uh, after that particular show. And over at the Public Assembly uh, is the band Alcest. They are from France, and they are a black metal shoegaze band. Um, Really interesting stuff. A lot of the underground fans like them, and it's uh, it's really good stuff. I saw them open up for, I guess it was Enslaved last year. I'm pretty sure that's where I saw them. I, I've been to so many shows, it's starting to blend into one another, And uh, but uh, but they are a definitely good band. Now, you know I don't normally go into the next Sunday because I call you guys on Sunday. Yes. However... 
However, I am breaking tradition. And and by the way, I I usually only do this for major press, Mike. I just want you to know. I, I feel honored that you even took the time out to I, uh, acknowledge me on that. I, I, I only do this for major press. <laughs> <laughs> On Sunday, April 1st, and this is no joke, we have the second annual Brooklyn Springtime Guitar Show down at the Brooklyn Bowl. And I will tell you, signing autographs will be your one and only Big T. He's down there, too. He will be representing Lang Amps, I believe, again. Lang Amps, and hopefully this time the Amps will be there. Yeah, the Lang Lang Amp uh, table, I should say, yeah. We'll see how that goes next week. Yeah, well, we're, we're going to go get Mr. Lang otherwise if he's not if he's not there. You there. Go. I wish Mr. Lang was there. Yeah, that would have been great. So, uh, so yeah, so if any guitar players are listening to the show or any people that are just curious about the guitar, definitely, definitely go to this event. It's it's absolutely free. It's a lot of fun. Uh, there's some really cool stuff there, and if I if I can go and I'm a drummer and and I can have a good time, then you know you can have a good time if you're just tinkering around on the axe. Definitely. So, uh, so that's oh, really I'm good. Get some uh, new, some old uh, guitars, uh, effects, accessories. Get stuff. You know, you can bargain for stuff. And it's a bowling alley, and yeah, if you get yeah. bored, you can have you can bowl, and then they have some good food. Uh, the blue plate, I think it's called. Or blue ribbon. Like right, right. They, they, they have some good food and um, beer. Yeah. Know, we I should charge them for advertising on the show. That's yeah, right. We should. We should. Well, now, um, so you guys were complaining about the new, new uh, what is their name again? Uh, Manowar? Manowar. El, El Gringo? Is El, El Gringo. Gringo, yeah. You know, I used to get called that by the uh, the Spanish website I started out writing for. When I, oh, see that? Really? El Gringo? Yeah, well, it was Gringo. El Gringo, and it was El Diablo Blanco. They were teasing me with a couple of different things. I like that. El Diablo Blanco. That's a good <laughs> nice. you got to remember that. <laughs> it, was, it was a clever little thing. And, and Mike... Can I can I be the first to congratulate you on joining Man of War on their tour as the uh, oil boy? Uh, the oil boy, without a doubt. I'm going to be seeing Joey DeMeo Grapes and, and fanning him down <laughs> at the Silverstone show. So, hey. Tom, I don't know if you know what the oil boy is. That's the guy that greases the band up, makes them look like warriors from the... Oh, okay. So they don't use... Um, they don't use... Um, spray tan? No. Spray tan anymore? No, no. It's, uh, they're, actually gonna, they're actually going to use Rock Feinstein, I heard, for that this tour. <laughs> <laughs> we gotta leave Man of War alone. <laughs> Ken's getting ready to take off now before we start yeah. getting offensive. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <I'm> gonna... <laughs> I just wanted to, I just wanted to squeeze that one in. So anyway, so as always, I say please come down to the Facebook fan page for Piercing Metal at facebook.com/piercingmetal. Come down and like us so you could keep up with the latest scoop, and I could keep you in the loop with the beat from the street that's metal and sweet. Ooh. And also follow us on Twitter. We're always here for you guys, and I'll see you next week. You got it, Ken. Have a great week, buddy. You too. Bye-bye. All right, take care. Mr. Ken Pierce from piercingmetal.com, giving you the latest concert calendar update here on the Heavy Metal Mayhem Radio Show. Let's get into some music because we have Bob Mitchell from Sleepy Hollow calling in about 15 minutes, and we still got to get to our demolition segment. So how about we do some testament?
All right, there you go. That was Seventh Home, and Eddie wanted to hear that last week, and I just didn't have the MP3 in time uh, to get it on, but we did tonight, and that's the fall of Mew. So there you go, Eddie. Thank you for listening every week. I do appreciate it. I want to thank everybody in the chat room tonight, too. Uh, we got Ski in the chat from uh, Deadly Blessing and Faith Factor. So it's some pretty good stuff over there. And uh, I know we had to do our demolition segment uh, and get that out of the way, but I think we got Bob on the line. So let's uh, talk to Bob, and then uh, we'll get some music on after. How's that sound, T? Sounds good, man. All right, let's get Bobby going. Hey, Bob, you there? I am here, brothers. Hey, what's going on, buddy? How you been? I'm doing fantastic. How are you both? Uh, We can't complain. We can't complain. This has been a great weekend for you, man. All these years later, Skull 13 is out. The video debuts. I heard you had a great show last night, the Blue Room. Yes. Doesn't get better than that. It was great. It was unbelievable. we had the honor of playing with our label mates, um, Power Theory and Explorer, and we had two great other bands, two great regional acts actually, uh, Voodoo Terror Tribe and Scars of Envy. And I got to tell you, look out for these two bands. Yeah. They huh? they, they make our future look very bright. <laughs> that's good to know that because that's important. Excellent stuff. They were great. And again, it was an honor to share the stage with them, and uh, we had a really nice turnout, and uh, the show was a success by and large, and we've got more shows coming ahead uh, this year, and uh, hopefully we can crack Europe. We'll see how it goes, man. Uh, That's fantastic, Bobby. I'm glad things are going good, and what I love is that, like I said, it was a busy weekend for you. The Spiral Effect video comes out this weekend. Get to watch that. I was like, this is really cool, man, because you need to just go to Rod of putting out a video of you guys playing on stage. You try to create, like, a whole theme around the song, the black and white video. It had, like, that, that killer North feel to it. I thought it was fantastic. Thank you so much. Uh, it, it was a lot of work, but it, uh, it was very much a labor of love. And um, I noticed a lot of bands when, you know, when they put out videos, especially recently, uh, they're they're really overproduced as far as I'm concerned, and it really takes away from who the band is because you can't really do that sort of thing live, you yeah. know? So yeah. we decided, you know what, let's keep it simple. Let's just show the band. Let's just present the song, and that's what we did. And, uh, the, the my God, the reaction's been pretty, <laughs> wow, I'm, I'm really humbled by all this. I got to say, I, I really, really am, and it it just goes to show you if you work, you work really hard, man. You, the payoff is incredible. My grandfather always said to me, "You work hard, you get paid hard." True. Yeah, you're right. And and I'm seeing the results of that. Uh, I you know I can't say right now how the record is doing, but I I got a good feeling it's going to do quite well. Based on the reviews that came out before the album even came out, uh, the reviews have been fantastic, and uh, hopefully it'll, uh, you know, translate into sales. I hope so too, Bob. I mean, I haven't read a bad review yet, and it's amazing. Did it like just surprise you that you know the band came out in the late '80s, you put out the first record in '91, and then you guys called it a day. 20 years later, there's all this interest in Sleepy Hollow still. Did that kind of surprise you that people just, you know, remembered you from back that, you know, far back? Yes. Yes, it does. It it, it surprises me uh, to a degree. Um, but then after thinking about it, I figured that, well, you know what? 
<laughs> it ha- it must have to do with the music. I mean, the music, after all these years, has stood up. Yeah. And that, to me, is a testimonial that if you write a good song, it's forever. It's true. You know, it's kind of like, <laughs> maybe I'm going off topic, but, you know, a song like Strangers in the Night. You could play it now, and it's it's still a great song. Exactly. Do you know what I mean? So uh, I, 100%. You know, so I think that's kind of where Sleepy Hollow stands. We We wrote what we thought was good music, and we had fun writing it and everything, and people enjoyed it when we played it. And now, all these years later, they still remember the band to the point where we are now. We have a, a record deal with a fantastic label, Pure Steel Records. We're, we're contracted for two more albums with them. And uh, they are extremely pleased with our progress. I mean, all the work and publicity we've put into this uh, is paying off dividends. And, you know, of course, you know about the shows we've done recently, Mike. Yep, yeah, MSG. Uh, yeah, we played with the, the great Michael Shanker at one of the most historic venues around, and that's the Gramercy Theater. Yeah. Uh, that was an honor for us. And uh, I tell you, <laughs> we're getting a lot of mileage on that one right now. And uh, it, it, it's really great. And uh, am I surprised? Back to the original question. Yes, but now I'm seeing why. Um it's the yeah, it's the music. Yeah. Sleepy Hollow is a good band, and we enjoy ourselves, and it translates uh, to the audience that way. That's so true. I mean, you know, like like I said, you know, Sleepy Hollow had a long hiatus in between, but you've never disappeared. You've been going at it. You know, you got back with Attacker and Vindicator yes. and, you know, Alchemy X, and there were so yes. many things you were involved in. So it's not like you, you know, disappeared from the music scene, but just the Sleepy Hollow music kind of got put on hold. And, and it's just so great to hear, you know, it, it, it sounds like where this album should have been if it followed the original Sleepy Hollow record. Just it's got that more modern feel to it. You know, it has the feel of today's music, but it sounds it sounds like the proper follow up to the original record. Thank you very much, and I think it sounds modern because of technology. When we did the old record, you know, we did it on you know reel to reel tapes, and you know, <laughs> it's true. <laughs> so That's technology what it was, has. Yeah. Technology has changed so darn much, and uh, you know, so whatever we use to record, because I'm, I'm not technically inclined, so you'll please forgive me for that. Uh, I, you know, we, we've used all this uh, Pro Tools and all this fancy gadget stuff, and uh, you know, to record the album, and uh, well, that that's what you hear, you know. Yeah. It's, and I'm, I'm very pleased with it. The production is is just so good. And, uh, you know, people really enjoy our music. Um, and as you saw yourself, you were at the MSG show, correct? Yeah, I didn't get to see uh, Michael, but I was there for you guys. I missed the first few songs, but... Right. Well, we... Um, a lot of it was Skull 13 material, and you saw the reaction. Yeah. Went and, over big. Yeah, and the, the record wasn't even out at that point. So I'm like, well, if they're liking this now without knowing what these songs are, well... Well, geez, what's going to happen later? You know, that's, that's so, true. Yeah, I'm very excited, and uh, I, I couldn't be happier. And you know, for me personally, uh, this is a personal triumph for me because when I left my old band, 
I was told that I would never do anything as big as that, ever. And here I am talking to you on the radio about the success I'm having now with Skull 13. Yeah, well, you might just set yourself back a step by talking to me today, but that's another story. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you count, too. I mean, you know, folks like you and any radio show that I do, it it has all helped advance our career again. I mean, we can't do it without guys like you. That's what's and, you know. I, I'm sorry, but I'm gonna I was just gonna say that you're one of the few artists who knows how to use promotion and publicity, and who takes full advantage of the internet and you know what it can do and and who you can reach with it. And not a lot of people do that. No, you know it. It well, I look at it this way, and I and and I hope I don't come off too disparagingly against people, but there there's people. Just please try to understand what I'm saying. There's people in show business, and there's people in bands. You understand? I I know where you're going. And the people in in show business understand that you have to use these outlets to advance yourself. It's important. Plus, I enjoy it. (laughs) I mean, not too many artists enjoy talking and you know, meeting with magazine people and all this other stuff. I enjoy it. You know, is it a lot of work? Sure it is. You know what I mean? But this is part of what being in a band is. You have to go out there and and meet the DJs and meet the uh, magazine people and the TV people and be good to them, show them kindness, give them good radio, give them a good interview. And believe me, these personalities, like yourself and others that I've done it with, they they're playing our music and they're enjoying our music and after they're done with the track they talk about the band so yeah it's very important it really is and you know again I thank guys like you Mike you know you've really helped the band a lot in more ways than you'll ever know hey I'm always here for you and you know we before you came on our earlier show Tommy and myself we were talking about this too mm-hmm. how you know there's there's really not a lot of outlets over like traditional broadcast radio. Uh, even if you go to the satellite radio, they're going to play this type of music that we play. You know, the internet is where it's at, and with the internet, you can reach people all over the world where a radio station is limited to the area that they broadcast in, and if you even find one that plays. I mean, here in New York, we have Eddie Trunk. It's mm-hmm. like he will feature the same five bands every week and do nothing else. You have uh, you have the AM station up at the Gibson. I forget the name right now, but and he gets to play a lot of stuff up there. But there's very few like shows on broadcast radio where you can hear heavy metal. You can get right. it all on the internet, and people don't realize. But this show, we have over 350 thousand listeners. That ain't right. chicken scratch, you know. One percent. No, of it's not. Not game. at all. I mean, and quite honestly, Mike and Tommy, this is why I enjoy doing it because I'm reaching out to a lot of people. You know, yeah, so yeah. somebody I know, I and I know in my heart, a lot of you European fans are listening. So, hello to all of you, and it, it, it's a great outlet to use. Like you said, you know, regular uh, terrestrial radio, I guess it's called. Yeah, now. terrestrial radio. Yeah, yeah. They terrestrial radio. Yeah. You know, it's limited. You know, depending on the wattage, but yeah, internet radio is where it's at, really. Because <laughs> to me, internet radio. It reminds me of the early days of FM radio, where we did a free-for-all, you know? The only difference is, Internet is just worldwide. It's true. 
it's oh, like you said, been. we have a big European following. Most of oh, them come yeah. from Bright Beach, Brooklyn, but that's another story. But they're all, <laughs> they're, they're all over the world. <laughs> yep, that's so true. But it, it's just, it's just great. I mean, and uh, we've got a lot of great shows coming up. We've got. Uh, Oh, Lord. Let's see. We've got April 20th. We're going to be rolling into Dingbats, and we're going to be sharing the stage with Seven Witches and Single Bullet Theory. So that should be a fun show. Yeah, that should be good. And uh, let's see. uh, May 11th, which I believe is also a Friday, uh, we're coming into New Hyde Park at the Dublin Pub. And I believe Explorer's on that bill as well that night. So we're going to share the stage with uh, Explorer again, so it should be a lot of fun. And we have a a major show coming up on Friday, July 13th uh, in Englishtown, New Jersey. I can't reveal too much of the details right now, but it is going to be an outdoor event, and Sleepy Hollow will be a part of that major event. Oh, nice. When you get more info and you're ready to release it, you let me know. We'll keep pushing it you know, over here for you. Oh, too. well, hell, I'll just come back on the air and tell you. Yeah, even better. <laughs> I'll take that. I like that. Yeah, you know, Bobby, you were saying before like about Pure Steel Records, mm-hmm. and I think they're one of the better labels out there today because they seem to really like throw the support behind their artists. And the yes. fact that in this kind of economy and, and the way the music business is today, that you signed uh, you know, a deal for the amount of years that you did and three records, that yes. goes to say something about the band – and the faith that, you know, other people have in you guys. Yes. Yeah, it it really does. I mean, I I <laughs> I pinch myself sometimes, you know, Mike. I yeah. I uh good lord, an album, a record deal. Uh, you know, when I first got the contract, I was like, "What?" <laughs> you know, yeah. like what is this? And I'm reading, I'm reading this, is, this isn't a licensing deal. And I got excited. I called the guys and said, listen, this is a recording contract. And uh, I, let me tell you something about Pure Steel Records. Pure Steel Records is now what Metal Blade should have been. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? I know. And yeah. it's not a knock against Metal Blade because I was on Metal Blade. But they kind of lost. they're kind of lost in the woods right now. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. And, but but Pure Steel has picked up this ball, and they're running with it. I mean, they've got some great bands on that label. Uh, they've got, of course, you know, Explorer and Power Theory. They also have friends of mine uh, from Detroit, Halloween. They're on that label. Yep. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, what's the other one? Oh my God, uh, Widow, another great band. Yep. Unbelievable, man. I mean. Yeah. Plus, I could go on and on here. Uh, New Eden is on uh, Pure Steel. Uh, they've just got some amazing talent on that label. And, you know, hopefully with the help of of Sleepy Hollow and the other bands on it, you know, maybe we can elevate Pure Steel to a, a real big thing. Let's hope. And But it's going to take a lot of hard work. And Sleepy Hollow is at the forefront of that. And, we're more than willing to work our asses off. I, I agree. And I know you were saying before about Metal Blade, and you were on there with Attacker in the early days. And one of the things I've always heard from artists about Metal Blade is that they just didn't throw their support behind their bands with the promotion. Or Did you guys experience that back then, for, you know, through that label also? They kind of like, yes. here it is, and then threw you out to the wolves? They, Yeah, pretty much, yeah. Yeah. I don't get yeah, that. Without bad-mouthing them, because, I mean, the one thing I'll say about Metal Blade I am forever grateful that I was able to sign with them 
because look at the doors it opened for me. Even yeah. now, 30-plus years later, I'm still here. Do you know what I mean? Even though I'm no longer with that band, it's because of that band that I'm here today, and I'm always eternally grateful that I was able to front Attacker because it brought me to where I am today. Will I go back to it? No, absolutely not. I'm perfectly happy with Sleepy Hollow, and I tell you, Mike, we've got so much in the future with this band going on, you can't believe it. Uh, we're already working on our next album. We're preparing uh, to shoot our next video, which will be oh, the nice. song Midnight. And, uh, you know, of course, the show's coming up. And, uh, oh, my God, this week alone, I have like four print magazine interviews that I have to do. <laughs> it, it's, it's, good, crazy. it's good to be busy in this business. It's good to be you busy. Can't complain it when you're busy. You, it, it keeps you young. It really does. It really. That's does. all that matters. Keeps That's you all young. That matters. And it keeps you alive. You know. That's important. And you know what, Bob? Since the last time you won, the only thing that's changed is Mike LaPonda coming to the band for a little while. Now you have Alan in the group with you. So Alan's the new bass player for Sleepy Hollow. Yes, he is. Uh, and, Alan came in based on Mike LaPonda's recommendation. Uh, Mike LaPonda and I. We go back many years. He's one of my closest personal friends. And, um, you know, he only committed to us on a live, for live situations. Yeah. Uh, he, he did want to do the next record, but, you know, he's, he's, his commitments with Symphony X, you know, take up a lot of his time. So uh, he said to me, listen, he said, you can't stop. You're on a roll right now. He said, I'll get you a bass player. Okay, you know, so a couple of days later, <laughs> we're playing a show in Long Island, and in walks Mike, you know, he's ready to do our show with us, and he, he pulls me in the corner, he says, see that guy over there? I says, yeah, he goes, that's your new bass player, and he walked <laughs> away, you know, I was like, yeah. uh, okay, and so, I mean, I didn't listen to Alan play at all prior to him joining, I just said, well, He's our bass player because Mike said he's good. Took his word, so it yeah. wasn't like an audition thing. It was Mike's word, and Alan's in. And let me tell you something about Alan. Yeah. I've been around this business a long time, as you know. Alan D'Angelo is the best thing that ever happened to my career. He's a great guy, a great bass player, and he is gung-ho sleepy hollow all the way i mean this guy he's he just he dropped down from heaven honestly and we all feel that way in the band he's just a super nice guy and he's a great live performer you yeah. saw him at the grammar yeah yeah uh, well i remember know. alan from st lucena when he was back in the 80s uh that was a band wow he was in. no and kidding. he's also yeah. he's also in life say and we just had great life say on right before you so it was like a oh, double okay. dose of alan tonight very cool. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, Live State's a great band. Yeah, yeah. Great That's band, man. He's a great bass player, cool guy, and we're, we're we're honored to have him in our band, honestly. Yeah, I'm glad that all worked out because, you know, yep. it's like, you, you know, you, Steve, and Tom have been at this, you know, from the beginning with the group, and that core is there, and I think Alan, especially, like, when the new music comes out, I can't wait yeah. to hear his, like, you know, influence as far as the bass goes on the music. I think oh, it's well, going to be he's, he's got some, I mean, I, I was talking to him uh Day before yesterday, before our record release show, I had a dinner party at my house uh, with the band there and everything. And Mike LaPon came over, 
And uh, he said that, uh, look, I got some great ideas for the next record, and I got some lyrics. He said, are you okay with lyrics? I said, please, anything. I, if I write one more lyric, I'm going to go nuts. <laughs> <laughs> please. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. So we were laughing, and he's, you know, he's got some wonderful ideas. And, and our guitar player, Steve, who is the, you know, he's the principal uh Riff guy, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, uh, you know, he's... But what I love about Steve is that, yes, he writes all the music for Sleepy Hollow, but he he is the kind of guy... He's kind of like me in a sense. Like, he'll have all these ideas, but if you've got something, he'll take it in. And he'll work it. And that's how we did Skull 13. So not many guitar players do that. And uh, and as far as myself goes, a lot of singers, you know, they're kind of stuck on doing their own lyrics and it's yeah. my vision kind of thing. There's no my when you're in a band, you know, right. it's a band. So it's not my vision, it's the band's vision. So if, if anybody in the band has lyrics or or tell me, look, don't sing it like this, try this, I'll do it. Because if it's going to make the song better, well, what the hell have I got to lose? True. You know, yeah. <laughs> hey, whatever, man. If it's rock and roll, it's not supposed to be perfect. And if it is, then you're in a symphony. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And you know what I love all about being on uh, Pure Steel is that you know, I get all these things for free. I get the downloads from the record companies so to play the music. But yeah. that's one of the good things. But they put out the vinyl album by the bands, and Skull 13 is on vinyl. And I actually ordered a copy of the vinyl because I just love yeah. having the vinyl. Yes. Well, that. Oh, I got an announcement about that. Can I can I do it real yeah. quick? Is it right? Okay. <clears throat> the um, Skull Thirteen album. I love saying that. The Skull Thirteen album on vinyl, the vinyl version. Okay. Is going to be released and make its premiere at the Keep It True Festival in Germany on Excellent. Friday, April twenty seventh. So Fantastic. anybody that's listening, that's when Skull 13, the vinyl version, will be released. Friday, April 27th, premiering at the Keep It True Festival in Germany. And I am so excited about this. Right. I think myself and one or two other bands are the only artists to perform at the Keep It True Festival more than once. There you go. That's an honor right there. So it's a huge huge honor and the best part about this is that um let's see it it's only a 500 uh copy you know run they're only running 500 copies and so i think oh i i, I might be wrong in this but anyway there's going to be uh 200 of the vinyls will be transparent vinyl the clear vinyl okay and then there'll be 100 of the classic black, right? Yeah. And then the other 100 will be a pattern called blood splatter. Oh, nice. And then the the last 100 will be like a color of our choice, which I think is really cool. So yeah. we're going to go with we're going to go with fuchsia on that. I like that. If you <laughs> No, it's a color of our choice. We, 
Yeah, why not? Maple orange, you know? (laughs) Autumn brown. Yeah, come up with some kind of freaky color, you know. (laughs) Mocha chocolate, you know? Yeah, you do like the gay pride flag. You get everything on there. Get all the colors (laughs) mixed in there. It sounds like I'm going to pick the color at Home Depot. That's what it sounds like. Ooh, I like Boca Java. <laughs> there you go. That's a great deal, but man, I mean, and, and for yeah. people that still have, I mean, I still have a turntable, but for people that have them, it's a great way of getting people to go out and start buying and paying for music again by offering them something that, you yeah. know, it's a little different for new people, you know, like younger kids, where people like yeah. us, we love the vinyl. Yes. Well, I could tell you, I was at a record store today, and um, there's a lot of current releases that are on vinyl. Brand new vinyls. Uh, I saw the new Iced Earth on vinyl. I saw the new Anthrax on vinyl. Yeah. Uh, I saw... Um, they have a vinyl version of Cowboys from Hell that oh, just wow. got released, it's and it's got now, demo right. versions on there. There's some demos and live stuff. Unbelievable. And, um, you know, uh, not to get off topic, the, you know, other of the contemporary artists that are out today, like Adele, you know, an artist like that, uh, Amy Winehouse, all their releases are on vinyl. And I asked the guy, what's all this? He goes, he's like, vinyl's making a big comeback. It is. So I was very pleased to hear well, that. People can yeah. make money that way, that's good, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's great for the artists. And to me, vinyl is part of the artwork of a music album. Oh, definitely. definitely. You know, it really is. I mean, how many of you guys remember going to a record store and you pick up Jethro Tull, Stormwatch. Right. That was a killer album cover. You know what I mean? Amazing covers and inside, you know, the gatefolds. Yeah, the gatefolds. You open it up. Every little picture, you could see, like, little pictures of, like, what kind of guitar is he using in that picture. Exactly. Uh, Well, you know, one of the coolest gatefolds (laughs) ever. I just saw it today uh, in the vinyl bin was a Blois the Cult album called On Your Feet or On Your Knees. Great live album, yeah. Right? And, you know, with cool. the limo there, you know, oh, on the, on the that. cover. So you open cool. the gatefold, man, and there they are with their guitars, man. It was so cool. I'm like, yeah. this is an album, you know? Yep. Yep. <laughs> like, how first, could you not love this? So That first Kiss what, live album? Yep. Yeah. Oh, get it. <laughs> exactly. So, it, it, to me, it's part of the major part of the artwork. And uh, we're very happy that we're going to have Skull 13 on vinyl. And uh, we will have some at the Dingbat Show. Cool. Even though it's premiering uh, April 27th in Europe, uh, the record label, High Roller Records, which is our vinyl label, yeah. uh, they were kind enough to agree to uh, send us uh, a bunch of copies on vinyl. So we will have them there. That's fantastic, man. Yep. Yep. Hey, Bob, I would love to have you on forever. I have 10 That's minutes left fine. in the show, and I want to get on a 10-minute yeah. song. Okay. <laughs> Epic, The Legend Retold, because you're not going to hear that on regular radio at that length, so we'll play oh it here. Oh, my God. Excellent. That's like Inagata the Vita. That's right. <laughs> Just a little bit better. <laughs> a little bit better, yeah. <laughs> yeah, without the head trip. A little more That's entertaining. Right. <laughs> well, listen, Rick, you guys, you go out what's listen. going on. You guys go enjoy the song, and all of you listening, thank you again. My God, you people, you fans, especially out there in Europe, I love you very much. And we are coming to Europe, I promise you, but we've got some great stuff coming here in the States. And, of course, the vinyl version in April. 
and uh, the new uh, video, Midnight, uh, will be coming out uh, this summer. We're going to film it in about a couple of weeks. So uh, needless to say, we're very busy. And Mike, Tommy, thank you both again. God bless you both. Bob, uh, anytime, Bob. buddy. I'll see you at Dingbats. Yes, good. See you then. We'll be All there. All right. Have a great one. Enjoy the show. Thank you. Too, you too, buddy. Take care, Bob. Bye-bye now. All right, Bob Mitchell from Sleepy Hollow, great guy. Bob's been on the show a lot of times. I wanted to get on Epic, the legendary tall. It's like 10 minutes long, and we're just short by a minute. So for anybody listening live, the song is going to get cut off again by a few seconds, but you can catch it in the podcast. And I'm going to stay on a few more minutes after that because I didn't get a chance to do our demolition segment. So I'll play that, and then we'll end the show. How does that sound, Tate? Sounds good, man. You got 15 minutes to hang out? Yeah, I could hang. All right, there you go. Here you go. Brand new Sleepy Hollow for Skull 13, Epic, the legendary tall.
That was a long one, huh, T? Yeah. Ten minutes. Nice. Yeah, I was going to play the live safe song that was like 13 minutes, but that would be the whole show between that and the two interviews. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but there you go. That was some brand new Sleepy Hollow epic. The legend we told Bob's a good guy, but you got to have Bob Barn like the, the second the show starts because he can fill two hours of airspace. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. But we, uh, you know what it is? I had another band on today that we rescheduled, and uh, I got Bob in at the last minute. So that's why, you know, it was the time it was. So, uh, But Bob's a great guy. It's a killer record. Pick up Skull 13. Uh, I, it's only you and I talking right now. Everybody listening live can't hear us anyway. They probably see what else was going on. But I have to do our demolition segment, get that out of the way. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we had a great march. Had a lot of good bands on. But coming in April, uh, next week, you probably won't be around, right? Because you got your guitar show? Yeah, I'm going to probably call in them. On my ride home because I'm gonna probably by the time I clean up, yeah, probably by like six thirty, and I got a ride home from Greenpoint, so I'll call you from the car. That sounds good. But next week on the first, we have Brian Holland of Reverence, and I used to be Tokyo Blade. Uh, we got everybody, Steve, Benny, and the rest of the guys from Death Mask calling in. Haven't spoken to them in a few years. Uh, let me see what's coming up after that. I'm not going to do a live show Easter because it's Easter Sunday, yeah. uh, but I have like three like pre-recorded interviews. So I think I'm going to put them together into a pre-recorded show and just let yeah. it run. There won't be no chat. I won't be on the air. You won't be on the air, but right. it'll be a good way of getting rid of three interviews that we have sitting in the can. And, you know, we'll, we'll have, so we'll have a show Easter Sunday, and that's going to have a brand new interview with Jeff Scott Soto from uh, TSO and uh, pretty much every band in the world, Jeff's been in Ray Mountain, Horizon Force, you name it. And then I got an interview with Ken Savage that did quite a while ago uh, from a band called Blanca White. They got like that Van Halen vibe. Uh-huh. So we'll get that on. The week after that, it's April what? April 15th. We've got eight? a great show. That... Oh, the 8th. Uh, yeah, oh, no, eight. the 8th. I'm sorry, the 8th. Yeah, Easter, we, we got Jeff Scott Soto calling in. Well, it's uh, actually pre-recorded. Uh, but the 15th, we have Eric Wagner from Trouble, wow. Jeff Ole Olsen from Trouble, and Ron Holzner from Trouble, all three of them. I'm going to be calling that night. They got a brand new band called The Skull. Skull. And as you can as you can guess, they're going to be doing all trouble songs because they're not in trouble anymore. Right. Yeah, plus they got their own bands going on, so it's going to be a great show. I'm just going to have the three of them on the whole show. It'll oh, be two hours with those guys. Cool. I'm looking forward to talking to Eric, man. He's, Definitely. you know, that's going to be great. Definitely. And, that's cool to hear that uh, that got back together. And uh, excellent. Uh, I'm, I'm dying. I'm waiting for that. It's everybody but the two guitar players. So maybe if uh, Bruce uh, comes around and uh, and what's his name, uh, Wartel, uh, something will come out of it. But you know what? Eric is the voice of that band. Even though the guitars are a major part of yeah. Trouble Sound, maybe something could be worked out. Who knows? I mean, come on, let's get it together. We don't have much well, time left here. Let's put it this way. If those guys, I mean, they're great and all, don't get me wrong, guitars are a big part of the band. But if those guys actually thought that they could put out a Trouble album with that guy, Corey, you know what I'm saying? I know. They really give a fuck about that band. You know what I mean? They should have called it something else and just put out the album with, you know, I'm glad it never uh, came to It didn't happen, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, but, you know, thank God. So who knows? You know what I mean? I, right now they have, don't have anybody. They got some guy filling in from a death metal band. Who knows what's gonna happen? But you know what? If if Eric is the voice, and the drums have always been good, and the bass, you know, had had always been good in those first couple of albums, and those are the original guys, really, and not saying anybody can do it, but if you can, you know, you get, you know, you get the right person 
who was into Doom or something like that, like uh, this guy Tommy Flanger from Brooklyn. No, I'm only kidding. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it could, you know, it could be, it could be, and I like the band. I like the name, the Skull. It's cool. Yeah, you know, it's the name of the second yeah. album, and yeah. and it fits. It fits. Well, I always like that name, Skull. Man. It is, and you know what? We got to find out. Maybe poke a prod them, see if somewhere down the road, uh, maybe new music under that name, or they're just gonna go out and do like you know. The old trouble songs? I don't yeah, know, but that would be cool. We put yeah. put out songs under the under the name the Skull. Yeah, yeah. Do a little bit of both. That that sounds good, man. Yeah, and I played some trouble on the metal matinee Thursday, and I and I was saying then there are a lot of bands who have replaced singers. You know, I mean, I thought Paul Diano was great when I made, but they went on to ten times the success that they had with uh, Bruce Dickinson. Uh. Same thing with ACDC. You know, uh, Brian Johnson came in Black and Black. That band just took. They were popular before then, but they just. It's hard to replace a singer. It works sometimes. Eric, to me, was one of the guys that yeah. you just can't replace him in trouble. I mean, it's just impossible. Oh, no. I, I, that's my personal opinion. I, you know, anybody can cop cop that metal, that guitar style. Yeah. You know, me me as a guitar player, yeah, I'm gonna notice it's not it's not those guys. You know, Rick and and what's it, whatever their name. I forget their names already. But um, you know, but. If anybody is into the Doom style and, you know, listens to old Trouble, it could, it could, you know, you can find somebody who can just fit right in. Yeah. It's fair, but, you know, what are you going to do? I know. Well, the vocals that's, that's, are the number one recognizable thing in that band. That, it, it's yeah. true. It's, you know, it's like you said, it's hard. You can replace certain guys and get away with it. I mean, did you ever think Ozzy could be replaced in Black Sabbath? No. No, but that Dio was came in and but if it you was think like about it. That was a different band. Same thing like ACDC. Yeah, a different band. You know, yeah. all right, they could. That new guy can sing the old songs, but it's not going to be exactly the same. Same thing with the with the what's uh, with um, Hagar, Sammy Hagar, Sammy and Hagar. Hagar and so he could yeah. sing some of the old songs. It's not going to be the same. It was a different band. It just so happens that it worked for ACDC, it worked for Black Sabbath, and it worked for uh, Van Halen. And it worked for Van Halen, but yeah. it doesn't always work, you know. And I know. this is, I mean, the band is, is is that type of band where they were so noticeable for that voice, and uh, he set the tone, you know. Yeah, definitely. Well, I'm glad that I booked it in two weeks, uh, three weeks from now. That way, you'll be around because I didn't know about the guitar show, so I'm glad that. Because I know you'll you know you'll want to talk to uh, yeah that's Eric gonna be good. That be that's good. gonna be a great show and then, you know what uh, Greg Hill from the band Damage I played their demo in the demolition segment a couple of okay. months back he got me on Facebook saying thank you for playing the demo and everything put so you know like last week I was ranting and raving about people like giving me you know not just me but a lot of the the sites hard times with the demo here's a guy in the band the singer of the band was like thank you for playing it he goes and a record label is gonna be re- putting out the album. You know, the, they had the one record out. They're going to be re-releasing it on CD. So he's like, thank you. I really appreciate you playing our music. That's amazing. So I said, you know what? Come on the show, man. I was a big fan back in the day. Come on. So he's going to be on in April. we got Greg Hill from Damage. And we're closing out the month with uh, Mr. Bobby Rondinelli from Rainbow and Black Sabbath and nice. Little Oyster Cult. So we got a great uh, April coming up here. And there's going to be plenty more. You know, I don't know who they are yet. I'm waiting for confirmations. But we're looking pretty good for April. I like it. 
Yeah, that's what I say. But how about we do our demolition segment, let it play out, and get the hell out of here tonight. Yeah, yeah, I got some, some TV to catch up on. I don't blame you. Thanks a lot, buddy. <laughs> well, this is a band called Manslaughter. It's M-A-N-N because there were two brothers in the band. It was a three-piece band, and the last name was Man, M-A-N. So oh, it's Manslaughter. Cool. They're from Clay, New York. I'm assuming it's probably upstate somewhere. I don't remember exactly. Uh, they put two demos out in the mid to late 80s, uh, and that was really it for these guys. And I managed to dig up the first demo from my collection. I transferred it. It actually sounds pretty good. This is one of the first ones I transferred on my own using the machine. So didn't come out too bad. Here's a song called Answer to the Master. Head over to the block spot. Download it right now before Fire shuts me down once again. Mm-hmm. Grab a copy of it and enjoy it. And we'll see you next week. What do I got this Thursday in the middle of matinee? It's uh, Enter in the Rear, Metal Love. So it's all sexually uh, oh. explicit songs. There you go. Oh, oh, I, mean, yeah. I didn't see that I one. Found, I found two pictures of like metal terminators uh, ass fucking each other, so I used that for the picture. So. Oh, okay. Thursday, 1 o'clock, have some uh, rear end love with me on uh, some metal matinee. And oh, my lord. <laughs> we'll see you next Sunday night. My boy's going to be at the Brooklyn Guitar Show, so uh, check that out. He's going to be at the Lang Amp booth. You get to hear the master play his guitar next week. Well, All right, buddy. I'm going to try to get down there if I can early enough. If I get there and get home, I'll tell you something. But we'll see what happens. All righty. Enjoy, Good night, everybody, and enjoy uh, Manslaughter. You got it. Take care, T. Bye bye. There you go. Manslaughter. Answer to the master. Head over to the block spot. Download yourself a copy.
With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.